Hey, everybody. Welcome to Beer and Gear. Yes, sir. Uh, glad to be actually face-to-face this time. Yes, it's good. We haven't done this since the first episode. Yeah, and, and honestly, we don't we don't get to be face-to-face near as much as, you know, I would like to. Sure. Friend. Yes. Um, well, why don't you tell everybody what we're drinking? Yes, we have, so I'll try to say it right, Chimay Blue Grand Reserve. Blue? Yeah, Blue. Even though it's from Belgium. <laughs> Even though it's from Belgium, it's called Blue. Blue, yeah. So this is a Trappist beer. What that means is it's actually brewed in a monastery. Yes. And to qualify as a Trappist beer, it has to either be directly brewed or monitored by the monks. Mm-hmm. Brewing cannot be their primary function. They actually still need to be a monk. Right. Um, they can use the income from it for the upkeep of the monastery, mm. but the vast majority of the money is actually donated and given away. So this is like for tax purposes? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. So what it's done for me that sent me on a spiral going, Yeah. well, if they're giving the money away to people in need, they Should I exclusively the... be drinking Trappist beer? I mean, I feel like that's that's the way to go. By, is... I mean, I get the beer that I want to drink. We're about to find out. And we're helping people out. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it's a win-win. Win-win. Also, if I'm in need, will they just give me the beer? <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. Now, what you can do mm-hmm. um, is you can actually, if you go to Belgium, mm-hmm. there are a ton of these, and you can actually go up to the Abbey, and ring the bell and wait for somebody to come to the gate and let you in. Yeah. And you can actually go in and partake partake there locally. And some of them even produce cheese and other things. Oh, man. So. That's so good. And um, the ones that do cheese, they'll take the, um, basically the, the mash or whatever's left mm-hmm. and feed that to the cows. Of course. Yeah. So it just kind of keeps now, going. Now you got beer butter. <laughs> yes, beer butter. There you go. So, um, oh my gosh, I was introduced to this by Jason Court, our okay. friend. Yes, he had it uh, when he was on a trip in Boston. Okay, um, and so he had recommended it, so we're giving it a go. All right, let's find out what we're in for yeah. here. This is a first. Cheers. Cheers. That's not bad at all. That's good. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's. Um, I'd call it a brown ale. Yeah, brown ale. Uh, but that is not bad at all. There's some... Uh, there's some residual floating in there. There's some floating. That makes me think of going and getting a Guinness actually on tap mm-hmm. in, in England. Oh, wow. No, I, you, you I haven't done get, that. You get that, that, some of that residual. When were you in England? Well, I've never been. Oh, okay. I, I wish. <laughs> I mean, I speak like I've been there. But you, I always hear all the stories of going and getting it on tap in the pub, mm-hmm. and you see all of the little sediment sediment residual that's in it. Man, that's that's really good. that tastes great. Thank you, man. That's that's yeah. a that's a treasure right there. Yeah, thank you, uh, World Market. Well done. Only place around that has it. And do they just have the blue? Or they no, have... they have the red, which is the premier. Okay. And then they have the little gift pack, if you will. Okay. Comes with an official Chimay goblet. 
A goblet? A goblet, yes. Okay, well, if the monks are drinking out of a goblet... Yeah, we need a goblet. And we need a goblet. Uh, and so then it comes with all four beers that they produce. Okay. This is actually, was originally a Christmas beer. Okay. And people liked it so much, they just had to keep making it. Yeah. That's a little bit weird that the blue one is the Christmas beer. It feels yeah. like it should be the green one or the red one. Yes. Come yeah. on, guys. Yeah, so you've got the 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 red mm -hmm. in there. You've got, is it the green or the gold? Let me see. What is this? Uh, Johnny Walker? <laughs> there we go. So you get... So you've got the gold, mm -hmm. and the gold, if I remember correctly, is the actual house beer, if you will, for these monks. That's what they actually drink. Mm. It's more of a um, a golden beer, uh, around 5%, where this is 9%. Oh, my. Yes. And then the other, um, how, where is it at? So I can try to pronounce it. Yes. Sink Sense, which is 150 uh, that is a specialty one that they do. That one's 8%. What do you mean 150? Well, that's what the sink scent means, is oh, 150. It means 150. It means 150. Okay. So, I was like, if it's $150, I'm not drinking that no, beer. No, 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 no. No, so that one was brewed in 1966. The premier, do they indicate here? They don't. I think that's the one that goes back to the beginning, along with... Um, no, the Grand Reserve was in 1948. Mm. So, but you get all four of those plus the little Chimay Chalice. So these are actually in smaller bottles. Oh, okay. So the bottle fits because perfectly in the Chalice. The Chalice needs. Or the Goblet, whatever you want to call it. I, I mean, Chalice is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Makes I'm me not... think of Indiana Jones. <laughs> so there you can see the picture. Not too shabby. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they have... They actually have that, not that cheap though, uh, but they have that set there. I saw it. $31 gets you the four beers plus your chalice slash chalice. Wow. Yeah. No, that, that's not, that doesn't sound, four beers? Four beers plus the, plus the cup. This that's, one That's was, a lot for four beers, but glass is also really expensive now. Correct. So, so this was $19.99. Mm -hmm. It's not bad for 750 milliliter. It looks like a wine bottle. Mm-hmm. The reserve was seventeen ninety nine, same size, seven fifty. Mm. Yeah, that's not bad at all. It's not bad at all. Yeah, we may we may be. This is my uh, number one reason to become a monk. All of a sudden, <laughs> yes, I went to brew beer. Um, I'm in for making the beer and drinking the beer, and if we can get some bread and cheese involved with that, I'm mm -hmm. set. Absolutely. Maybe some sausage. Yeah. So. I have actually have a couple other Trappist beers at home that I'm going to partake in. Try them out? Yes, and we'll see how those go. Those may be on future shows. Is Francis Connor a, a Trappist? Because it's, I mean, it's got the monk on the label. Mm. I don't, I mean, it, it may have started that way and maybe it's not anymore. I don't know, but like. That I, I can't speak to. I would be interested to know. If anybody knows, you can just tell us while you're. Just scream at the podcast while you're listening to it. Yes. I found send, that that's the best way to converse send, with other podcasters. Send us a boost. You can there give you us go. a message. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have Orval at home. I have the Rochefort 10. 
And then I have the, I'm probably butchering some of these names, the Westmel Trapel. That's what I have. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how those go. Not too shabby. Or, you know, you're going to try them out and tell me how you like them. But yes. This Chimay is fantastic. So it's good. I do have a recommend. Let me pull this up real quick. I do have a, a PSA for people on beer. A PSA? Uh, a PSA, yes. It's going to be great. Uh, where's that at? Is that the PSA noise? <laughs> yes, Bing. the official PSA noise of the podcast. Uh, here we go. So in the vein of your bad experience in the last show, Ugh. I tried what was the one that I thought Drake had recommended to me. Mm-hmm. It's Samuel Smith's Organic Chocolate Stout. And it was like, okay, let's give it a shot. Yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> it wasn't like they brewed chocolate into the beer. No. It was literally chocolate-flavored beer. Yeah, that's not it good. It was horrible. And again, like I've had stouts that that tasted like you could you could like catch a a hint of Correct. chocolate. It's like there's this aftertaste that's like, oh, that's chocolate. Yes. The like very forward chocolate taste yes. with beer. It's like what is happening right now. Yes. So this literally tastes like they poured milk chocolate directly into the beer. Oh man, that's not good. And the aftertaste was just rough. Yeah. So my PSA, my warning, don't do it. Don't do it. The one that he actually recommended is the Nut Brown L. So I will have to try to track that one down and try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that nutty flavor, that's not too bad. Not too bad at all. You can get away with more of that, I feel like, in beer than you can chocolate. I think, ah, la, 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 la. Yeah. yeah, not good. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right, so... Jumping back into compression. Yes. Some of these. Um, it's like we're, we're going to talk about compression. We're going to talk about EQ. We're going to talk about limiting. We're going to talk about normalization. Um, I feel like there was another one somewhere in the middle of that, that I can't remember. But this is this concept of how do I make... Um, you know, I think we I think we mentioned earlier the general rule of any uh, sound reinforcement, any sound reinforcement system, or um, you know when you're recording somebody is you want that person to sound like themselves, or you want that instrument to sound like itself. Yeah. Now you get a little bit of um, you get a little bit away from that um, in some of the newer. Um, versions of things um like when uh, sometimes new sound whatever when you talk about synthesis when you talk about trying to synthesize a sound when you talk about electric guitars um in any kind of distorted or um i don't don't know even what i'm trying to say here uh there there are sounds that you are trying to warp them in order to make a certain sound but that's kind of the the point of those is that you are Still, like, usually musically. You're thinking of overdrive? Like overdrive, uh, fuzz, um, even, you know, hard, like, wah or um, reverb or, or, you know, some of the spacey reverbs and stuff like that. You're you're trying to introduce uh, or introduce. You're trying to uh, 
Um, uh, what, what's the word? You're trying to uh, manipulate the sound in such a way that makes it, I would hope, more musical. I mean, mm -hmm. um, that you're trying to, you know, uh, create a feel. I love that about like overdrives and stuff like that. Is that like crunchiness? The reason that that came about is, you know, you had these guitars and uh, originally they were all acoustic guitars. And then they're like, how do I compete with a band while I'm playing a guitar that, you know, only has enough sound for really me and the person sitting in front of me to hear it? Well, let's plug it in. Let's put this, you know, um, pickup inside of it, this or microphone in front of it or something like that. Um, they tried a bunch of different ways of doing it with transducers and all these different things. And so they, they come up with this, well, I'm going to put it, um, on this, uh, or coming out of this speaker for itself. Like it, it, the whole band isn't coming through speakers. They're just playing their brass and, you know, woodwind and it's louder and it yep. kind of cuts through everything. And the guitar is chunking back here, but it, it's, it's not as big as a, um, piano to be able to really push sound, um, or even a, a the bass guitars or bass guitars the the basses that they used to use those stand up basses that's a huge like that's a furniture there's a piece of furniture yeah. that's uh, you know emanating the sound and you really need that for that low end but guitars they were um, trying to push them with these speakers and originally you know they tried to get these big speakers that would push that sound really with. I guess, closer fidelity to what they were hearing. Um, and then this thing happens where they, they get a smaller speaker and they push it harder than they should. And what you hear is this distortion in the sound. You start to hear this, uh, the beginnings of the electric guitar, like crunch, um, the electric guitar, uh, rasp, whatever n sound you want to, you know, equate that to but it's the first distortion and it's called overdrive because you are overdriving the speaker. You yes. are trying to push it harder than it should. And you've all heard this when a speaker like blows, or I don't know if you have or not, but when a speaker blows, you you hear distortion all the time because it, the speaker is not reproducing the sound the way that it's supposed to. But before that happens, there's this um, uh, sound that's introduced to the um, original sound that makes it sound a certain way. So like I, all the way down that path to talk about like, yes, there are some ways that we're not trying to produce the original sound. We're trying to force it to sound different in one way or another. But for the huge majority of things, and especially when it comes to speaking and um, uh, most singing and stuff like that, you're, you're trying to be as true to the sound as you can. Now, how do you have uh, that fidelity of sound? And you got all these different um, sources and, and you're trying to um, hear certain things inside. You're trying to make the, um, I'm, I meant to say this on the, on the first um, show. It's like when you're watching something on a, an actual stage and you're like, what, what am I supposed to be looking at? And then somebody shines a spotlight on the person that you're supposed to be looking at. There's there's light all around the stage, but there's a there's a person who is obviously the center of attention, and yes. they usually shine a spotlight on that person so that you can. And that's kind of what compression does audiologically, audiologically, audio wise. Take a brief pause. 
but you're trying to come up with a, a way to, um, now I, now I have lost it. Audiologically. Audiologically. Yeah, but what audiologically? <laughs> um, you just referenced being on stage in the spotlight. Spotlight. So in the same way that you would um, shine a spotlight on a, a stage to show, then you're going to shine a spotlight on the um, sound with compression. Yes. All right, here's where we can start. So you've got this idea that uh, you you have all of these different things to look at or hear, and there's certain things that you want to pay closer attention to. Now, um, if you if you really want, uh, I'm trying to think of like like in a photo, um, you really want to. Um, you really want to pull a subject out of a photo, right? So one of the things that uh, camera um, camera people, photographers, <laughs> there you go. Photographers will do is use uh, a long lens, something with a long focal um, length or, or whatever that's called. Um, they're going to use a long lens and they're going to use uh, a really fast uh, lens or a, a a fast aperture, um, and and they're going to try to get separation between the background of the image and the foreground. So they're going to bring into focus the um, for, like what the subject of the image, and they are going to let everything else kind of fuzz. Yes, um, and so that's kind of the idea. Um, inside of compression. Um, that's kind of the idea um, inside of EQ as well. Um, so uh, compression and EQ work hand in hand. Um, compression works across the entire uh, band of uh, fre frequency range of, of the sound that you're replicating. Um, EQs are specific um, EQs, you may have seen like, or you have seen probably like a, um, on a pretty old, old, I mean, they're all old now, but like the analog mixers that we used to have would have generally a three band EQ on them. Yes. You would have a high range or a high EQ. You would have a middle and you would have a low. And basically if you, if you take the spectrum of, um, the uh, the whole spectrum of what you're hearing, which is somewhere in the range. I mean, I think they go lower. The EQs usually are like zero to like 25 or something like that. Your ears really only hearing 20 to 20 if you've got good hearing. Yep. Normal hearing. Um, 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz. Sorry. Um, so you take that entire range, and if you split it into thirds, you got that low end, you got the middle end, and you, or middle end, the, the middle, middle yeah. and you've got the high end. Um, and so what those knobs would do is you can increase the volume of each of those sections. Yep. Now, if you add in um, to the middle range, usually is where they would start adding this, they would add a sweep knob. Um, and what that does is it allows you to more dial in where in that middle range you're adjusting the volume. That makes sense. All the way up to like, you know, 
each, you know, you've got some of these big old um, EQs that have a massive number, <laughs> you know, 20 band EQ that has 20 different uh, sections, sections, 20 different um, uh, frequencies that you are either pushing the volume on or uh, pulling it back. Now, why is this important? Again, you are taking the uh, the signal that's being sent to you and you're trying to make it clearer because what we're hearing in our headphones, um, through the microphone, all of these, you know, through the preamp, through the, you know, all, all of this different processing that's going on is a manipulated sound. And if you need to get it back to zero, what it sounds like when I'm just talking to you in front of me, or even better than that, if I can make it a little more clear, more clearer, if I can make it a little more clear, mm-hmm. um, I am, I'm manipulating the EQ in order to bring certain ranges down. Now you can hear like when I say certain, mm-hmm. there, there's a, there's a sharpness to those what are aspirations or sibilance? Sibilance is the other word for it. And you can got really it. hear it. I got it right that time. Sibilance. Yes. Um, and you can hear like as I'm as I'm really hissing into that um, into this microphone, almost whistling into the microphone. You can hear like that sharpness inside of it. Well, that's unpleasant for a long period of time. Yes. <laughs> to keep hearing that over and over and over again. So what you would do is you would take you would find that. Uh, frequency frequency on the high end of your spectrum and you would locate that and you would bring it down just a little bit because that's a little too sharp. Yes. So some of that is just, you know, when someone talks into a microphone, you're judging how far away you should be from the microphone based on what you're hearing in your ears. But say they're not listening. They're just talking. That's all the audio engineer is doing is listening to it and trying to make it sound better. Yeah. The other side of that spectrum the the low end and a lot of times radio broadcasters really like to have that low end yeah get up there the ladies man <laughs> yes. um uh but that if you if you get closer to the microphone you're going to hear some of that um on a lot of mics there's i think this RE320 that we have over here yes. next to us it doesn't have as much of that proximity no. effect but Correct. um that's that is something to play with well, then also on the EQ, you can decide whether or not that low end is going to be um, present or not. Well, just Correct. like on the high end, you want some of that um, you want some of that high end, some of that bril- uh, brilliance or um, clarity is sometimes what it's called. I mean, there's there's different words and it's so funny, like all of these words have nothing to do with sound, but they like muddy. Yeah, I've heard it referred to as crisp, crisp. It's almost like you can take the sound and break it like a cracker. Yes. Um, so that 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 sound, like it's really nice because it it really helps you understand the um, the beginning and the end of a sound. Um, yes. It, it, that crispness helps there to be separation. Yes. Between things on the low end, you can see that it's it's kind of flubby and feels muddy, round, yeah. um, and bouncy. And I mean, bouncy may not be the right word for it, but like, uh, real flowy and, and like there isn't a separation because it kind of goes in and out, Yes, but it helps with, uh, with gravity and it helps with that. Like, mm, like this is, uh, 
this is a thing. Gravitas. I, I almost feel like I could hold this sound in my hands um, type thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the bot or the problem with the bottom end is uh, a lot of uh, lower plosives like that. Actually, I've got a lot of it cut out, so you can't even really like that's not a that if if I didn't have this EQ'd right, then that would sound horrible. What I just did into the microphone, um, but that that same like uh, low end can be really hard to listen to as well. Um, so you've got to find those um, in equalization. What you're doing is finding those bands of sound and you're you're tweaking them each individually and saying i need this a little bit up and i need this a little bit down now we've all been the uh guy in the well i don't know this doesn't seem to be a thing anymore but you remember the old the old days with the old uh cassette players yeah a lot of them would have the eq kind of in the middle and it was like a five band yeah it was four or five band and you would make the little smile oh almost knocked over my beer you would make the little smiley face. Yes, you would. Where you would raise the low end a little bit to get that thump, and then you would raise the high end a little bit to get that presence, and then you would push down on the middle. So it would be like this smiley face, yep. right? And what you're doing is a mid-cut, yes. which is pretty normal, actually, because our ears hear mid-range really well. That's, that's the last part of your <laughs> range to go um, in your hearing is – uh, you, you'll lose some of the low end. You'll lose a lot of the high end, um, especially if you have earwax buildup. So watch out for that. Yes. But that mid-range kind of stays there, and that makes it really muddy. What happens when the it's really muddy, the sound is really muddy, is you have the you, – you can't – you don't hear definition, and you actually lose a lot of the volume as well. So – it just sounds like, I mean, you know, like you're not, you're not hearing anything very well. So because that's part of our ears that we can, we can actually hear really well in, it makes it hard to understand if that's all you're hearing. Correct. Um, so what's the difference then? Um, the difference between like limiting and compression and EQ is that EQ is taking individual sections of the sound and making them higher or lower. EQ and limiting, those are taking the entire band and saying this needs to be less dynamic or this just needs to be capped uh, On in the case of limiting. This needs to be capped and we don't need to go as, as loud as this was before. In either case, they're, they're limiting the dynamic range of the entire um, band of sound. Correct. <laughs> yes. That was a lot. Um, yes. Do you have any questions? <laughs> I feel like that was, this is my, this sure. is my way of taking a breath. So tell us what the actual difference is between what compression is doing and what normalization is doing, because there are actually two, yeah. Two different things. And then a second question would be, should I normalize first or should I compress first or do I even need normalization at all? Um, that's, that's good. I would, uh, I would say, okay, so first the difference between the two normalization, audio normalization is when you, um, you bring the high, the, uh, you bring the gain of the entire 
sound. Again, this is this is the entire spectrum. This is an EQ. The entire spectrum. You're bringing the entire uh, the gain of the and by gain I mean like raw volume of the entire sound up to or down to the level that you want it to be. Now you got to be careful with normalization because you're not taking the like it's not compression. Correct. Normalization is is taking like the the amplitude of the entire um, recording recording to a level that you have said this is what I want it to be. Now we were talking about this before, so I already have this ready. Um, there's a thing called uh, there's a unit of measurement we've we've talked about decibels already. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a unit of measurement that is a perceived loudness um, measurement, and that's called luffs. And usually, um, like if you're if you're putting a podcast out, you're aiming for around negative twenty to negative sixteen luffs. Um, and again, now that's that's a perceived sound, but it's a loudness measurement um, that you really want uh, to ensure that 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 is the um, it, that's going to put you in the same range as everybody else, I guess. Um, but you can tell like, and, and I would say like on, um, in, in decibels, like we're, we're talking about, um, like zero and just below unity and just below is probably the, the area that would you, you would want to be in. I would say, I yeah. would probably say negative, negative five to zero. Now, every, this is a little bit weird because every three decibel change is like a is like a doubling the volume. So that's not a small like range. Correct. Um it sounds like a small range because you can talk about going all the way to negative infinity which is nothing up to, you know, plus 20. Um that's that's a huge range of uh decibels, but every time you increase the decibels by about 3 dB, you're doubling the sound. Every when you step if you've got a speaker that's 50 feet away from you, when you step up to 25 feet from it, you're going to be about 3 dB louder. Yeah. Louder. Yep. So uh, that's a little bit strange. It's not, I don't, I wouldn't say that that's a, like that makes sense to our brains. But when you're talking about normalization, you're trying to take the overall sound and bring it to a certain level. Now, the reason that I would do compression before normalization is because compression is going to make things sound louder. Compression is going to, and and again, this is kind of in that perceived range. Um, when you when you compress a sound, you're you're not you're not actually making the the high end uh, the amplitude of of your most your loudest um, range or your loudest. Uh, loudest peak peak or or anything like you're not making that louder um necessarily you are bringing the high end and the or the highest part and the lowest part closer together correct and when you do that everything sounds louder yeah. because again you're you if we're just out in you know the middle of you know the woods or I'm trying to think. Uh, let's let's go to the city in our minds, right? You're you're in the city and you're hearing cars, 
you know, drive by you, you're, you may be hearing a jackhammer or some sort of construction sound or some beeping of like a, a trash truck backing up or whatever, your brain is still able to hear the person standing next to you talking um, in the midst of all of that different um, sound. And your brain is making sense of that. Compression is helping to make sense of the thing that you are supposed to be hearing in a mix. Um, it's it's helping to bring that into a in a into an area that you're you can really hear the difference between the highs and the lows. And so, um, if you bring that uh, that spotlight onto the sound, and then you normalize it, then you push it to the you're not only pushing the uh, high end anymore to where you want it to be. You're also bringing up the low end. Correct. Um, so a lot of compressors will actually have this. They'll have like an output gain or something like that, where they, yep. they will say like, you want compression, but then you want it to be pushed a little bit harder after it's been compressed. Um, and so that, that type of gain on the back end um, does help with that. But uh, normalization is different than um, compression in that uh in that um, way. How it's manipulating the sound. How it's manipulating the sound. It's not... Normalization is almost like the... Uh, I, I would put it at the very end of everything. Like you you want to... You want to limit... I would put limiting... Man, that's... Okay, so... Compression and EQ. Let's talk about that real quick when it comes to like order of things. If you are trying to get like a warmer sound, then you should, um, uh, if you're trying to get like a warmer sound, then I would, you would EQ first. Is that right? Yeah. If you're trying to get like a, a warmer sound, then I would, then I would EQ first and then compress. And then if you want to get like super clear, clean sound, then I would compress and then EQ. Yeah, that's okay. uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to get it right in my head because it's one of those like it's really easy to say this the wrong way. Um, so there, there's there's a reason to do each one of those, I think, first. But again, that has to do with are you trying to get like you get the sound the way that you want it? And then you compress everything or do you compress everything and then manipulate the way that it sounds? And you can yeah. really, if you, if you compress everything first and then manipulate the way that it sounds, you can really bring out, um, more of a difference between, uh, like certain areas of, of the sound. And then after, or <laughs> I would actually probably limit, um, unless you really want, like some like if there's there's like a distorted like gritty sound that you're going after, I would limit before those. Okay. Um. Uh, you can limit at the very end if you want like a you want some of that breakup or some of that um gravelly sound inside of it that makes it it sounds real. I would say when things kind of distort a little bit, when when you hear somebody's voice start to get a little raspy, that sounds more real than like the angel clarity. Thing that's going on. Sure. So again, there's there's a lot of taste involved with this, but then 
um, if you're if you do all of that, if you if you shape that sound and then you make it, and then you limit it or uh, uh, limit it and then normalize, it, like you're 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 taking all of that um, overall processing after the fact. Man, that was a lot. Yeah. See, I would have thought so tired. EQ first to get the frequencies where you want. Uh huh. Then compress. Uh huh. And I would have just thought that would have just been. A natural order, yeah. Because I want to manipulate the real sound of what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. So, like you talked about, if you want to get those S's out, pull those S's out. Yeah. If that, if you've got somebody that's got a ton of low, uh-huh. then, uh huh. Then high pass filter, right? Bass roll off. Yeah. So you would essentially high pass you, filter la- allows the high that you got to. There's low cut and high pass. Same yes. thing. The high pass is letting the highs pass through. Yes. The low cut is cutting the lows yes. out. Yeah. Same thing with high cut and low pass. Correct. So if you had somebody with a really bassy voice, you want to yeah. start rolling away some of those lower uh, frequencies mm-hmm. to remove some of that muddiness. Mm-hmm. And then once you had that, then I would have thought, okay, now let's compress yeah. to get the highest and the lows together, but you just gave examples there of why you would compress first yeah, and then do the EQ. Yeah. I would say you, it's, it's which one, uh, this may not be the right way to say it, so please forgive me. Um, but I would say which, which one of these do you want to hear the biggest change from? That's the one that I'm going to put actually second. Okay. Because, uh, if you if you use the EQ first and then you compress everything, you're actually taking away some of the work that you just did in in that. And that's where I would say it it makes it warmer because it brings that compression is then bringing everything closer together. Um the 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 difference between everything is getting squished and so you you have this again because our ears I would say because our ears naturally hear that mid-range better if you compress everything after you've already EQ'd it, then you are naturally going to hear that mid-range okay. a little bit louder than if you had left it without compression. Fair enough. Whereas if you compress it first, you bring everything close together, and then you EQ it and say, like, I'm going to spike here a little bit to to really get some clarity. I mean, you could, you could compress everything, and then you could boost the mid-range, and then it would just sound terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it would be like super warm, I guess. But yeah. all you're going to hear is mud at that point. Or you could boost the low end harder afterwards. Or you, um, but most of the time, when people are going to uh, compress first and then EQ, they're really looking to dial in that clarity. They're trying to like push those um, those areas outside of the rest of the range. And again, it, again, to use the spotlight idea really let your brain focus on those peak areas that they're they're pushing or parts that aren't being cut. I think we I don't remember if we talked about when you are um EQing as well. Um the general rule is to cut uh narrow and then gain wide. Okay. Um now I don't actually know all of the reason why that's the case. But when I say narrow and wide, I'm talking about the span of frequencies that you are cutting or gaining. So that that's usually called Q. 
Um, I'm trying to think if there's another word for it that I've seen. I, I'm, I'm sure that there is. Um, but the Q of uh, an EQ is, is how, how wide um, the, like if you, if you picture that smiley face, like how, how wide is that dip? Yep. You can make it super narrow, like where it's only a few f- frequencies. Um, or you can make it really wide. Um, now the danger of cutting really wide is you cut out a lot of things that you don't want to cut. I know that. Correct. I don't, I don't fully understand why when you, um, when you boost, you want to boost wide. Um, I, I think it's probably because it's more forgiving, um, and generally makes it sound more, uh, uh, natural because you don't usually see like those huge, like when you, when your ear hears something, a certain range, like spike, that's usually like when you're like, ow, I don't like that. Um, so that's probably, probably the reason, but I, I can't say that for sure. Again, we're all learning this as we go, right? Yep. Um, but, uh, the other part of it that I would say is a general rule when EQing is to cut before you boost. And that has to do more with you want to actually show people again naturally what is actually there um, as opposed to adding something. Boosting is adding free frequency amplitude to something that's not actually there. Um, so cut first, then boost. Cut uh, narrow and boost wide. Yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of, of, I I guess. And, and this is really the work that, um, I would say most sound engineers are, are, you know, it, 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 there's an element of this being super basic, what we're talking about. And there's an element of it's so foundational. Like you, you have to be able to hear and then do this. Um, if you want to be able to have a sound that people are going to want to listen to. But it's also, I mean, we t- as we talked about before at the very beginning, manipulating that sound and making it sound different is also one of the things, I mean, you know, it's like Picasso. Nobody looks at Picasso and is like, you know what? I bet that the dude he was drawing had a nose on the side of his head <laughs> yeah, or two eyes that were, I mean, nobody looks at that and goes, yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly what that sounded like. That's a lot with, with sound. If somebody is manipulating the sound, if somebody is, is really pushing or, or driving or making there be distortion or, or doing this, they're trying to evoke some sort of, uh, feeling inside of it. And, like I always uh, laugh when I, when I talk to Chad, our friend Chad. He uh, he really likes, like when he listens to music by himself, he wants the volume all the way up to where it's like hurting his jaw. Like his, he wants to feel it. Yeah. Um, and like you think about the ways that people like to listen to music, whether it's really loud or really soft or really warm or really like, sharp or you know i really like 
rock music because of that distortion. And, you know, usually those are the angry people, right? <laughs> are you saying um, I'm angry? I'm not saying you're angry. I'm saying you've got some <laughs> repressed feelings over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's that like you you kind of hear inside of the music that people are listening to those those uh, you understand I think pretty naturally what that music is trying to convey. Yes. Um, and sometimes people do it against itself in order to make a point, and some people most of the time people are doing it like with that what that sound means in order to um, encourage that point in order to make that more pointed, I guess. Yep. Anyway, there's a lot. It is. It's good stuff, though. You got any other questions? Um, no, I think we've kind of covered in, in a lot more in-depth in what those pieces are. And in the last show, we kind of talked about what the compressor is actually the the various functions that it's doing, how it's compressing at the ratio, the threshold that it would have to hit in order to do that. Mm-hmm. There is some of the makeup gain uh, in there as well. I think we hit that pretty good. Um, I guess the biggest thing that I'm hearing is I've got some adjustments that I need to make when I'm producing the audio of the show. Because it sounds like I'm doing some things in reverse order. Well, not necessarily. So I should try, pretty warm. try tweaking it. Um, I, you know, it's one of those things that you got to be, uh, you got to know, I guess the other, the other part is to know your signal path. Sure. Um, know where these, these tools lie inside of your signal path. So on a soundboard, it is ba- mostly, mostly for a soundboard, it is decided for you what's going to come first. Um, you know, you have gain at the very top of that. Yep. Um, and then EQ is going to be actually further down the list and compression is going to be higher up on the list or higher up on the yeah, more in primary the chain, yeah. in the chain. I say higher up because that's the way that the soundboard works. So yep. please forgive me. Um, but from top to bottom, you're like, you know, you've got gain and you've got um, compression and you've got EQ and sometimes if if you've got some flip inside of that if you're if you're able to change those you know it may that's that's one of the things that you want to know why you're doing that um i guess is the best way that i can do it yeah really small book um by nathan nyquist that i would recommend to everybody is just uh the eq and compression formula um i've got a copy of this that you can take with you Okay, I appreciate um, that. But I would recommend it to anybody that's just wanting to understand all of this better. Um, it's a really small book. It doesn't take long to read, and I think he breaks down everything really well. He's got, like, like that's part of a whole, like, series of books that he's written um, that uh, I think do a great job of explaining, you know, what compression, bus compression is and uh, mastering and... Uh, Gosh, I don't, I don't remember all what what all the other books yeah, he, are in that series. But yeah, like, he's got the three delay framework, the three big, delay, yeah, the bus compression framework, mm-hmm. three space reverb framework, mm-hmm. mastering multi band compression, and then the EQ and compression formula. Yeah, 
And so I would say definitely read the EQ and compression formula if you want to get further into some of these other ones. The, I think there's he he does a good job. I would say. Um, other books that I've read um, that have been really helpful. Yamaha has an old book that it was actually the first um, sound book that I read um, was the Sound Reinforcement Handbook, um, which is awesome. But that's produced by Yamaha. Um, there was another one and I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. Um, but there's a lot of good books out there and it's kind of funny to be recommending almost like a textbook to somebody, but that's, <laughs> that's kind of what we're talking about here. Yes. So, so I guess one other question. Yeah. Um, asking for a friend. <laughs> So there's you were, this guy I know. Yeah, there's this guy I know. He doesn't know audio. He's got a weird spot on his arm. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're talking about the luffs. Mm -hmm. So the Rodecaster gives you the ability to pick that when you're exporting your, your show or your recording. Right. Would you recommend hitting that in that frequency and then bringing it in and doing EQ compression? Or do you think leave it alone? let it export as is, then manipulate the EQ and the compression and the other pieces. Yeah. What I would say is if you, if you don't feel confident with your, so the roadcaster, um, when, when it's, it's giving you that normalization option at the, when you're at the end, it is assuming that you've already done all the EQing on each individual channel, all the compression that you want. Okay. Um, it's it's assuming, and that's one of the great things I would say about the Roadcaster is that it gives you so much, um, the ability to dial in so much before you even record, um, and that's that's a I, I think that's a really cool thing um, that they've that they've done with this with this product. They're saying at the end of that, if you just want to like take it off of this and immediately drop it into your podcast, you can set the luffs right now. Okay. I would not set the luff um, or, you know, normalize it. I would not normalize it and then go back and EQ everything. Okay. Um, I think that you'll lose, like you lose. It's like, uh, I, I will equate this again to use a photography analogy. I would equate this to doing like trying to, if if you take instead of taking the raw image from a digital um, camera, yeah, and then EQ or not EQing it, but uh, doing all of your um, color color grading and, and all of that stuff, yeah. all of that stuff afterward, um, it this would be more like taking a JPEG out of the camera and then trying to do it. It's not that you can't do anything with a JPEG. It's not like you couldn't manipulate a JPEG to look a different way after you have you know, export it, but there's, there's a level of compression that's happening inside of that image to make it a smaller file size that you lose some of the ability to, to do that more dialed in version of editing, um, after you've already done normalization. So I would, I would wait on normalization again until the end of the process. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, my friend has at least been doing that part right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. Did I just snort? I think I snorted. Yep. That's okay. Man, this beer was good. Thank yes, you, it was. Chris. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Well, I guess if that's all we've got, then we do have 
a booster gram. Ooh, booster gram. Yeah, we do. Booster gram. <laughs> uh, again, from our friend Jason. Jason. Yes. Uh, the original was a row of ducks. Okay. Two, 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 two. Two, 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 two. Yes. Row of ducks. Numerology. So he, he I forget which episode he, I guess it was from Anne Rebecca. Okay. And uh, he gave me a little feedback on that jingle. I guess it hit a little bit harder than I expected. Oh, gosh. So <laughs> I was going for shock and awe, if you will. Did it knock him out of his seat? Uh, yeah, he wasn't quite prepared for it. Nice. Um, so I guess we had mentioned some. Oh, yeah, because we gave the, or I gave the, the lead in to like, hey, people that I work with, I'm going to be sharing some stuff. I'm not talking about you. You're all good people. Right. Don't be offended. (laughs) (laughs) So his comment was, I'm offended, but only because you asked me to be. (laughs) T-Fowl. Only because you asked me not to be? I'm sorry. Yeah, Yeah. he says to be, but or no, he has it right. Not to be. I misread it. So that that, that was funny. Nice. Yes. Yes, Thank you, Jason. Yeah, thank you, man. You're at least the one person for sure that we know that's listening. Yeah, right? Everybody else is a bot. <laughs> until until you boost a grandma, so I'm just assuming yeah. you're a bot. Yeah, boost or it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So um, a couple other quick things to throw out. This is uh, kind of a big deal, if you will. Yeah. For, for us, this is episode number 10. Episode 10. We, we made it to the double digits. Yeah. There are a ton of podcasts out there that have one, maybe three. And if you go out to podcastindex.org and start poking around at some of those, mm-hmm. those single episodes are somebody going poop, <laughs> fart, fizzle. That's all it is. It's like three minutes of them just saying stuff and giggling. Yeah, that's not okay. Yeah, that's not a podcast. Uh, but... To kind of put some perspective there, they do have 4,093,000 different podcasts in the index. That's sure. a lot of shows. A lot of different poop shows. <laughs> yes. So, but with that, just to kind of put some perspective, in the last 90 days, 449,000 of those are the ones that have actually posted a new show. Mm. So we've had two or three in that range. Yeah. So that puts us in some fairly rarefied air as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I like it. We're in there with the the big guys. So not bad. Posting stuff. Posting stuff. That's right. Posting stuff. That's right. And um, we also passed our major 300th download. 300th 300, download. Baby. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. There you go. Um, (laughs) but we still need an Aussie. There's got to be an Aussie out there somewhere. Somewhere. That's the only continent we don't have that they track. We really, we really would like for one of you, you know, or maybe a Kiwi, just somebody. I take it. That's close enough. That's close enough. Somebody over there, just download. One download. Just one. That's all we need. Just listen to, you know, like 10 minutes. It's fine. You don't even have to listen. Just download. I just need the download. <laughs> I just need the download. I'm trying to complete my bingo. Yeah, here. I'm trying to complete the set. Yeah. Give me a download, <laughs> and we've got every every continent. I love it. So so there's just some fun stuff that's out there. Um, so I think it was a good show. Yeah, always always good to hang out with you, brother, and thanks for bringing Absolutely, me Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll have to try some more 
Of the Chimay. Yeah, man. That was really good. Yes. I'm going to remember that. Maybe next time we'll uh, we'll get the reserve. Yeah. Give that a go. And then uh, I'll see how some of these other Trappist beers that I have. Taste. Yeah, taste and potentially bring some of those back for the show. I'm all about it. Let's try them out. So, all right. Well, thank you, everybody. Yeah, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Yep. Hey, everybody. Beer and Gear is a value for value podcast. If you made it this far, then I would like to think you found some value from the show. If so, send us a boost with your modern podcast app like Fountain or Podfence. You can find modern podcast apps for Apple and Android at modernpodcastapps.com. When you send a boost, make sure to include a note that we can read on the show. We just need cash. I know a lot of people want to send blankets or water. Just send your cash.